you by the Toronto Vegetarian Association, aka the TVA. We come to you virtually from our homes and we are heard on CJRU 1280 AM, Campus Community Radio. My name is Sweta and I'm a vegan and a volunteer with the TVA. Our mission is to inspire people to choose a greener, healthier, and more compassionate lifestyle through plant-based eating. I'm just joined today by my co-hosts, Barbie and Marnie. And today we're talking about a little bit of everything in terms of just being vegan. Originally, this started off as a, we're going to come in here, we're going to answer all of your questions and all your concerns around being vegan. And we got some of those questions, we got some of those concerns, but then we just decided, you know what, let's, uh, let's just talk about all kinds of different things. So for me, I feel like I'm a little bit in a vegan bubble because I work contract and I work from home. And the way that I work, I don't really have like the colleagues that you come in, you see every single day, or even that you're communicating with on a regular basis. Usually I'm like into an office, out of an office, whether it's virtually or in person. And so I don't build up these relationships. I don't have to deal with kind of dynamics in the kitchen, um, in, you know, like a a workspace. Um, Do you have to deal with any of that? So I feel like I don't, I don't really necessarily know about these things, you know, sharing a a kitchen at work um, with with your colleagues? Um, I mean, I also, um, until just about six months ago, I was definitely also in a, in a vegan bubble. I worked um, at TVA uh, for most of my career. And, but, you know, we did, like, we did often get sort of even there, a lot of people, the, the comments that they would make would be about things that work about, you know, I think one of the biggest concerns was always like business sort of lunches, like or team lunches, going out to work, um, sorry, going out for, for lunch at work and sort of being left out and like, being worried, especially if you do go to a place like the keg, even if it doesn't bother you. I know that we definitely have this, this thing with vegans. We want to make veganism look really fun and appealing. So even if it doesn't bother us, if like we go to the keg and there's not much, and we just get a salad, but we don't want our colleagues to think, oh, vegans only eat salads. I think that it's definitely those kinds of things at least are becoming a lot easier these days. Like I just went to, so at my new workplace, I am on a team of about 15 people. There is one other vegetarian on the team, no one else and no strict vegans. Um, But we went to Pickle Barrel together and ironically, I couldn't believe I looked the day before. I'm like, I can't believe in this day and age, Pickle Barrel actually literally doesn't have like anything vegan on the menu, even like a basic veggie burger. Really? Because I... So one thing that happens sometimes when I work is that uh, yeah. lunch will be like catered in, you know, mm. if, the, if the company is paying for it yeah. and, and then they know that I'm vegan. And so they'll order something vegan for me. Mm-hmm. And so the pickle barrel, so maybe this was because it was, you know, special, catered, order, not to yeah. but they made this pasta and it was just like a really simple pasta. Yeah. I don't even know. It was like roasted bell peppers and stuff, but it was yeah. so good. It was oh. so good. And, and I believe that. Yeah. And it was like, oh, maybe I should go back to the pickle bowl. But I guess not. No. Was it on the regular menu? But so I was able to get, like, I got something in the end that was very tasty, which was like some kind of Mexican bowl or something. And I had to just ask with it without the cheese. And I think it, like, I think it was, they did have a vegetarian option for that one. You could get it, like, with falafel, which doesn't go with, like, a Mexican bowl, guacamole, but whatever. You can get it with falafel. And I just had to ask about the, the the cheese and stuff but 
I guess like the trick in that situation was, um, was it was like, I, I looked at the menu beforehand and I sort of saw what, so that rather than have to like ask the waiter or waitress ahead of time, or sorry, like there in person in front of everyone, I already did, like I called the pickle bar office. I was like, can I get like this dish without the chicken? Like, why is there not, like, again, they had like some Asian stir fry and it had chicken in it. They didn't even have like a tofu stir fry or something. Anyway, so that's, that's sort of like one of the only things I've encountered so far. How about you, Marnie? Yeah, I never really had any difficulties at work um, until the pandemic. Yeah, I was working in an office, but we each had our own little space in the fridge. My job, I often had to go to galas, fundraisers, and sometimes awards shows and big fancy dinners. And uh, you'd always feel a little bit guilty if you couldn't partake of the meal. But what I found is that they always had a vegan option. If mm, it, yeah. The thing was to let them know ahead of time. Yeah. Um, so if you show up and, you know, the server comes around and you say, oh, I need a vegan option, they're not going to be that happy. But if you um, let them know ahead of time, and my office was really good about um, when we were invited to these things, we were asked to let them know at that time whether we had any dietary concerns and um, yeah, I can't remember the last time if there ever even was one that I had any pushback from um, caterers or organizers of one of those big events. Um, I think they, they expect it at this point. And I know even some of my colleagues who weren't even vegetarian would sometimes ahead of time order the vegan option too, because, you know, even if they weren't vegetarian, they didn't always like to sit down to a, a piece of rubber chicken or a <laughs> big, big slab of meat and have to have that sit in their stomach for the rest of the night. Yeah. And yeah, I, think I think that that's kind of the trick, you know, if you're able call beforehand, figure out what your options are or let them know that you're vegan. And I think that that solves like a lot of problems when you're going to a restaurant or when you're having food ordered in or if someone's ordering food for you. And I think in terms of like conflict with like colleagues, not like actual outright conflict, but like your own internal conflict, you're like, worrying about like people judging you or like again like you know you might find it annoying quote unquote you know someone like brings in you know a cake and for someone's birthday it's not vegan only things and it's funny because I was just thinking about this before when I saw this question come in and just sort of like remembering like it really is probably not personal and it's not the being insensitive because I was thinking back to even like um, like at TVA, you may know, we, um, one of our festival coordinators in the past, uh, Lainey, she was uh, gluten-free and like she had celiac. So we like really strictly gluten-free. And so like, of course, obviously like whenever we would have sort of like, again, like a team lunch or like a potluck or something like that, like we were all really careful to make sure everything was like strictly gluten-free, but you know, I would still, everyone knows like, you know, I love to bake and stuff and I would still end up bringing in like non-gluten-free things into the office to share with my other colleagues, right? Like if I had baked cupcakes and I had some leftovers, I would bring them in and, um, you know, reflecting back on it now, like, you know, and of course she, I would always be like, oh, sorry, Lainey. And she'd always be like, oh, it's fine. And like, of course, but like, you know, what's she gonna, <laughs> what's she gonna say? But I don't know if that, you know, was maybe like, you know, sad for her, like if she couldn't partake. But my point with that is just that we do that all the time in all kinds of other situations. And I feel like we don't always take it as personally, or sorry, yeah, as personally as we do with veganism, right? Like, again, like if you have an, uh, let's say like, or like even like, yeah, like one of my best friends has a peanut allergy and like, honest to God, I just genuinely, I forget all the time. And we've been friends for a long time and she has like a deathly like peanut allergy. And I don't, I haven't like really encountered a situ situation where I was like tried to feed her something with peanuts, but like, it just, it just doesn't cross my mind sometimes. 
I'm guessing that Lainey and, and your other friend with the peanut allergy mm-hmm. probably um, don't take it personally because um, something that I feel sometimes uh, with being a vegan is that I don't want to be a bother and I feel bad if I feel like I'm a bother. And so I'm sure that they don't want to feel like they're a bother. So when she says, no, 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 it's fine. It's um, probably true. And it's funny because there's an image of vegans that they're pushy and they want you to know exactly how they feel. And there's that old joke, you know, how do you know if someone's a vegan within two minutes of meeting them? They tell you, <laughs> you know, and so there's that image, but the, the flip side is how often we can feel like a bother if we're going particularly to uh, someone's house for dinner or a family dinner, that that's something that's sort of central to me, maybe more than to others. I know others who are just like, no, I'm here and this is what I can eat and <laughs> that's it. And, um, and I, I do feel like that. I'm happy to bring my own food, but also there is that sort of underlying feeling like, uh, you know, don't, don't fuss for me. Usually there's enough other stuff you know, the salad, if you don't put a creamy dressing on it, the side probably doesn't have butter in it, you know, and you have to convince them that, no, you don't have to make something special for me as long as there's, there are a couple of things that I can eat. Um, yeah, I, I totally get that. I feel like I'm that like that. And I wish people would just stop paying attention to me in terms of food, you know, <laughs> like there was this one time that a client wanted to order something in because I'd been working with them for a few weeks and they're like, okay, let's, you know, this is your last day. Let's order some food. Let's order it from Swiss chalet. <laughs> like, okay. I mean, they were, they were like Northern Toronto. So it's not like downtown, but, yeah. but still there were, there were other places and they insisted on Swiss chalet. And it's kind of funny because on one hand, they're like, we want to thank you for being here. On the other hand, they're like, we're going to get Swiss chalet. And they knew you were vegetarian or? Yeah. So I said that and she's yeah. like, okay, I, well, I can look up vegan options. I'm like, no, 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 I'll do it. Cause I don't, I don't want to put that on. Right. And they have nothing. They yeah. have not a single thing you can order. Not one thing, but I'm like, no, no, no. I <laughs> used to eat Harvey's burgers. When I first became vegan, I ate Harvey's burgers. Harvey's burgers are vegan. Um, their buns at Switch Alley are not vegan. So I'm thinking, can't yeah. you just go next door because they were right next door to each other <laughs> so like can't you just go next door the delivery person just grab those buns and then make me a vegan burger but no that's not how it works so this is what ended up happening because not even their salads are vegan so I had to get a side salad and um I can't I think you just can't get a side salad so we just added it to someone's meal and then I got like a patty and the idea was okay, <laughs> without a bun you're gonna cut up the patty and throw it in the salad. <laughs> without and any dressing <laughs> But uh, yeah, there was, there was like, there were a couple of dressings that were okay, but I didn't even want to eat it. That's the thing. I didn't even want to eat it, but they insisted on it. Right. And I'm like, I just want to eat my own food. Leave me alone. There's, there's that aspect of if it's, if it's a lunch in honor of you, then even if you can find something and they used to have a stir fry, admittedly, I don't think I asked them about every ingredient in the sauce, but it was like a teriyaki stir fry that I used to get um, whenever we would go there because my boyfriend's family loved uh, loved Swiss chalet. (laughs) But if if it's a lunch or dinner in honor of you, you don't particularly want the other people around the table to be, not that you want to control what other people eat, but if it's for you and then money is being spent on it and money is being spent on chickens, um, that might not be your first choice. Here's an idea that just you sort of just maybe think of like one thing that you can do depending on like your position and the organization and the team and everything is to sort of like try to try to plant ideas maybe for places to eat out at like in the future right so depending like where your office is and 
So if you know of a place, let's say like somewhere like Beer Town um, that has good options, vegan options, but it's like nobody would even know, right? It seems like a total quote unquote normal restaurant. Um, yeah, so just kind of like, you know, next time like casually, oh, you know, I just saw, have you guys been to Beer Town? Like, I love Beer Town. Next time we go out for lunch, we should go there. Or like, same thing. Like, I mean, it might be in the situation you were in, in Sweden. I don't know if they like right away said like, hey, we want to take you out to lunch to Swiss Chalet. But if it was more like, hey, we want to take you out to lunch on your last day, you'd be like, oh, cool. You know what? I love like so-and-so restaurant. Have you been there? That might be one kind of thing to do. Yeah, for sure. This one, they kind of had their mind made up, but I, I do like that idea. I like this like sneak attack idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have you have you heard of Universal Meals? No. No? So Universal Meals is this idea, like, you know, so many people have... Um, allergies or health concerns or humane concerns mm -hmm. and so the meals are universal so they address like these mm -hmm. different types of concerns and I hope that that idea becomes more universal <laughs> oh so it's not a company it's like literally like is it the same as like I guess it's kind of like if something causes themselves allergy for you but the difference you're saying is that it also adds like ethical concerns that are not actually yeah, allergy exactly uh, and so it's it's just you know meals that are more widely uh, edible by like a, you know by the mm. by everyone. So I guess you you definitely would not have you know things like peanuts in it because peanuts mm. are really common allergy. Um, things like meat. Uh, mm. So um, there's this festival called the Toronto Sketch Comedy Festival, and the person that runs the the volunteers for that, uh, she's amazing and she's vegetarian. And when she has a volunteer. Uh, like meals and things like that um, because there's like a volunteer party and she'll order pizza one day sorry one year she did tacos and she had mm -hmm. like made all the fixings herself and then you just oh, you know make your taco mm -hmm. no meat she won't do it yeah. she can't <laughs> order no meat I mean it's not it's not vegan but even even in her volunteer orientation she throws in a little bit of like you know don't eat animals it's bad for the environment <laughs> and uh and I love it and I like I like that kind of um yeah just putting your foot down like I'm not participating in this I don't care if the organization did not request this me personally I'm the one that's handling this and I don't want to put my dollars towards that you know yeah so some some combination of this like these little sneak attacks and putting your foot down will hopefully get us in the right place yeah Maybe we can switch gears just for a minute. One of the questions that someone had posed to us on Facebook was about um, selenium. And their question was a little bit specific. At first it was, you know, what are some good sources of selenium? But she did have a follow-up question about supplements. Um, and she asked specifically, like, is it better to take a supplement? And is one more affordable, like getting your selenium from supplements or not? Um, I don't know about either of you guys. I, I don't feel comfortable answering too much of that not being a dietitian or nutritionist I don't know too much I know some basic sources of selenium but um Marnie you were nodding do you know a little bit more no I was going to ask you what what do you take selenium for what oh. does selenium do for you um well, the main thing that it's really important for is uh, thyroid function so it impacts like your thyroid metabolism um I think it might have a couple of other things um like I think it might be related to your immune system but I know that's one of the main things it's known for is thyroid function and I know that you so one of the the best best source uh from food for selenium is brazil nuts and you only need I was checking this um on oh uh, yes I remember Gregor saying that one brazil yeah. nut a day. yeah exactly you <laughs> only need one brazil nut a day or Pamela Ferguson says one a day or two to three times a week even is is enough because they're really high in selenium but obviously like I remember when I first heard about that and I was having some thyroid issues and I was just like trying to eat like a selenium sorry a selenium a brazil nut 
like once it or something. And I just like really didn't like the taste. Now I've just put it into a smoothie. So if you drink smoothies regularly, you can totally put one into your smoothie every morning and you won't taste it. But I did find this, um, like I said, again, I'm not a nutritionist or anything, but this is from uh, Pamela Ferguson, a dietitian's website. I didn't know this, but um, shiitake mushrooms, tofu and sunflower seeds all have selenium. It's in a much significant less um, concentration than in Brazil nuts. But like we said, the amount that you need from Brazil, Brazil nut is so small that it seems like, yeah, if you were to eat, you know, like, I think it's like, it says something like half a cup of shiitake mushrooms, you know, has a good enough amount of selenium. Is selenium something that tends to be lacking in a vegan diet or is this across the board? Oh, that's a good question. Um, you know what? I'm not sure. I would have to Google that. I don't know if it's, I know like it's a, cons like, again, like I'm trying to think, have I only read it as a concern? on like plant-based nutrition websites or elsewhere. Okay, because I, I wasn't aware of that. The only thing that yeah. I have to take is, is B12. Yeah. Yeah. But now that you said that tofu is a source and, and mushrooms, some mushrooms are, yeah. guessing that maybe it's not since yeah. you know, tofu it, is so powerful. Yeah, and it might be that the person who posed the question, again, like has um, an issue with their thyroid function or something like that. Um, so it may be that it's one of those things, again, like, yeah, it's not necessarily like, and again, I'm just saying this, I don't know if this is true or not, but it may be that it's something like, it's not like widespread, most people have deficiencies, but if you do have a deficiency, you know, this person might be looking for some, some stronger sources for that reason. I, the other supplement, so there is one more supplement that vegans are supposed to take, and that's your vitamin D. And D2 is vegan. D3, if you can find it vegan, if it's labeled vegan, then it is obviously vegan because it's yeah. labeled that. Uh, but there was something that I was just reading about recently. I can't find like a credible source on it. And so I don't know, I'm not even sure I should quote the source, but I just find like ra random scatterings on the internet. Yeah. And it's about K2. And mm. Barbie's familiar with K2. <laughs> and we did an episode on uh, cultured food and natto. And we talked a little bit about K2. And K2 is one of those things that's like really hard to get. I think even in the in the meat world, because I saw the, um, the top sources for K2 is like eel and I don't just... Like if eel makes it to the top sources list, yeah. you know that people are not finding this in the yeah. common foods that we eat in the Western world. So anyways, um, K2, you can find in natto, which is like a fermented uh, soybean product and uh, also in kimchi. I learned this recently. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. Oh. I saw there was a documentary, um, an Australian comedian who was um, on the heavier side, went to Japan to try and eat a Japanese diet for a month and see oh. what it did to his body. And one of the things that he kind of got addicted to was natto, which I know is a addiction <laughs> of fire taste. And I've been looking for it everywhere. Do you eat it? Where do you get it? Uh, whereabouts do you live again, Marnie? You're in the East End, West End? East End, yeah. Oh, okay. So I know that it's at, I get it from um, Pat, the um, Korean store at Boo and Christie. So I believe that you can probably like if you have another sort of like large Asian grocery store, like a TNT or something like that, you can probably get it there. Um, you just have to be careful because I wish I had a package. It's funny. It's on my grocery list right now. I wish I had a package to show you the package, but there's like, there's many brands that look or like the same brand, but different kinds. They all look the same. So you just have to look because most of them actually have like fish sauce or something like that. I think it is in like a sauce that comes with it. So there's like only, I know as Sueda mentioned, Steve, our co-host is an expert in this. And I think he's insistent that there's really only one brand mm -hmm. of natto that is vegan and it's called Mito Natto. But I mean, even the Mito Natto, I think they've got like two packages that are both red and they look very similar. Um, 
but I would guess that probably other large Asian grocery stores might have it. I can't say for sure. Culture City is the one that that Steve oh, is in, yes. right? Thank yeah, you. and we we interviewed them on episode four fifty two. If you want to listen to that, mm-hmm. and that was my first and only taste of natto live on that episode. <laughs> Yeah. And they, unfortunately, Steve had said that Culture City shut down during the pandemic. And I believe it was for reasons related to the pandemic. So I have asked Steve, I feel like recently, if he heard of them reopening. And at the last time I did, he said no. Oh, because I sad. like there's better. It actually has a slightly different taste. Um, but it's funny you mentioned the K2. So I listened to this podcast called um, The Tonic. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that. The Tonic is like this magazine that sometimes like in health food stores, like one of those free magazines. Um, and now they deliver it with the globe um, and they have a podcast and I listen to it sometimes like it's pretty interesting it's kind of from a more of like a natural health perspective kind of thing so they have a lot of like naturopathic doctors and people like that on who um, there's like this one doctor that is interviewed often like for different topics but he often brings up k2 so like you said Sweda, it's interesting it's one of those things where yeah like I'll like I'll hear like this like that particular doctor for example say how like you know k2 is this like uh totally like necessary thing and nobody gets it and it's really important and you have to take a supplement to get it um but you wonder why you never hear about it anywhere kind of or like if you again like yeah if you try to like google it it doesn't necessarily come up on like quote unquote sort of like mainstream reputable doc like you know what I mean you don't find it on like webmd or like I don't know something yeah. like that I, um yeah I ahead. thought I found it I saw I, I was like oh yes it's on a Harvard a Harvard article Ooh. and then no it was in the comment section yeah. and so so I ended up pulling it from I think it was like Dr. Laura's weight loss and I don't <laughs> think I, I don't think oh, no. I, I finished yeah. my train of thought on that but the the reason that we take vitamin d is to help absorb um, calcium and some other minerals and um, it's for like bone growth and bone health and things like that and k2 yeah. is supposed to help with that again yeah. I don't I don't know if this is true for sure but maybe speak to your doctor about it or yeah. your nutritionist maybe they have some more information because no one on this podcast um, is a nutritionist so please yeah. do keep that in mind as you're listening and it's probably one of those things where I guess like in my mind it's kind of like oh like it probably like can't hurt so it's like and I know I do know like um I think like you know that uh vegan multivitamin complement you heard of that yeah so it's um if anyone that doesn't know so it is and it actually was developed so it's it's a product I don't know uh, what you'd call it exactly so no meat athlete the podcast they sort of have a brand and they've developed this multivitamin um like you said so it is sort of like they found that you know, okay, so first it's like, okay, like B12 and D are like the important things. Then there started to be kind of things like, oh, maybe vegans should be taking omega-3s because like the, you know, it's really the DHA, which is not a vegan source. That's really more important. So they kind of started to like, okay, now there's kind of like enough things that it's like, I'm taking too many pills or something. I'm taking too many things. Um, So they actually developed this multivitamin in consultation with Pamela Ferguson. um, And I believe that it does have K2 in it. Um, so again, it seems like there's like the sort of growing acceptance or interest in it. It may just be like, I mean, I guess there's probably lots of things, obviously like everything in the medical world takes time to like, there was a point in time where like no one was treating heart disease either or something. Right. Um, so it, it's probably something that's like not, or again, like even like 10 years ago, like no one really talked about omega-3 fatty acids and that kind of thing. So yeah, I have a, a vegan friend who is just like sick of all the different things, like taking the D and taking the B12 
and then she has to worry about the flax and she was just forgetting stuff and so she ended up buying this this multivitamin and I'm looking at my phone because I know she sent me a picture but she sent me a picture of the back of the bottle because I asked her about specifics (laughs) yeah Uh, and um but so I don't I don't know what company it is but it it does cover all three of the ones that you're talking about I know I was looking at this other one that was like vegan gummies and um (laughs) And I was like, I want to eat gummies every day. Yeah. Yes, please. But but the thing was that it didn't have enough D because uh, Dr. Mm-hmm. Greger says 2000 IUD. Mm-hmm. ID, ID, I don't remember right now. I think it's IUD. Yeah, okay, IUD it, uh, per day. And this one only had a thousand. So now I'm like, now I need to eat two gummies. But then I think mm-hmm. when you take excess B12, it doesn't store inside of your body. You just mm-hmm. leave it in the toilet. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't want to do that. And I also find that these these ones that are uh, composite ones, like they they cost a little bit more mm-hmm. yeah. than if you're buying them individually. So I'm also too cheap to yeah. take. Uh, one sort of trick, uh, I don't know if this is trick per se, but like hot tip is, um, have you guys ever heard of vegetology or vegetology? I can't remember mm-hmm. if it's V-E. Yes, yeah, so it's either V-E-G-E-tology no. or just V-E-G-tology. So it's surprising because it's actually um, a vitamin, a vegan vitamin company in the UK. And somehow, even though it's in the UK, shipping and everything, it's like super cheap. And I actually ended up finding it because my vitamin D was low, even though, like you said, Sweda, I was taking, I was taking like a thousand IUD a day at first. And then I took like 2000, um, like taking two pills a day. Um, and it still hadn't gone up. And so someone had given me, uh, you know, I'd heard the thing about how if you have like a chewable or a, uh, what's it called, like a dissolvable one, it's better. Anyways, I forget how someone told me like, try this, try this one, because they actually sell ones where it's individual vitamin D and it's vegan vitamin D3 and they're 2,500 IUD in one chewable pill, which is like decently tasty. Um, and it's amazing. It ended up that, yeah, it's like I buy like six packs at a time and get them shipped from the UK and it comes really quick. And somehow I swear to God, it's like half the price of like whatever it was that I used to get um, in Toronto. And the reason I'm bringing them up is because they also have a couple of compound ones again. So it's not like overkill, but they have a couple of things together, like the vitamin D K2, I think they have, and um, maybe they have something with omega-3. So that way it's like, you're not getting I think like, yeah, the problem with the multivitamins is when they try to put too many different things in. Yeah, it's too hard to get the doses correct. But when it's just like a couple of things that like specifically for vegans and it's things that they know people aren't getting um, at all or enough, uh, they can sort of like put more in them. Do you guys feel different when you're taking your vitamins or you're not? I don't know if you've ever had a period where you haven't taken vitamins, um, but I'm just curious. I was I was hoping that I would... Um my skin would feel different because I know I have a friend who is uh, who is taking um, like her hemp seeds and when she ate her hemp seeds meaning she was getting her omega-3s she felt like her skin was better and so I was like okay let that motivate you to eat your flax seeds because again I'm all about the cheapness and uh, I don't know I didn't I don't feel any different I don't feel different with any of these things the only thing I feel different with is if I'm not watching my iron um, because that that seems to be like a problem that creeps up on me. I don't take any supplements or anything like that. Just the traditional, make sure that you're eating your things that have iron with stuff that has vitamin C and it all absorbs properly. But if I don't do that, um, I, I find that dips and then my energy dips, but I don't, I don't notice any difference with anything else. I think with B12 specifically, you don't 
like that's something that you'll notice decades of um, having that deficiency not something right off the bat but um, my friend the reason that she started taking that compilation was because it's uh, she was having problems with her d3 i think she was feeling something negative and so she's like no i need to get this stuff on track yeah for me it was about a year maybe a year and a half for b12 and then all of a sudden tingling in the extremities having trouble uh putting sentences together and did a little bit of research and went oh of course it's my b12 and within a couple of weeks of of starting to take a supplement that went away the only one that i would say that i actually feel a difference is flax oil my eyes get really dry I don't take it because I think maybe being vegan, there are some other um, fats that I'm not getting, but flax oil really does the trick for me in terms of not having to put eye drops in so much anyway. Yeah, I was hoping that I'd have to use less like lotion or something. (laughs) My skin would miraculously just be, I don't want to say moist, but um, (laughs) I don't know what the word for that is. Smooth? <laughs> yes, lube. That, that sounds such better. I said smooth. Sorry. Oh, I okay. I thought you said lube. I'm sorry. I think you like slick things. Okay. Inappropriate. Inappropriate, Barbie. Have you ever um, have you ever tried uh, just plain old coconut oil as a body lotion? Oh no, I've heard about that. I'm scared because it seems like it'd be just so oily, but it's, it's- all right. So good. Um, yeah, I wouldn't use anything else. Um, and it's so cheap. It's just the same stuff that you get at the grocery store. I have never used anything that works better. The only place I wouldn't use it is my face because it would be a little heavy and might make you break out. But the rest of your body, highly recommend it. Really? Best thing about it is it's one ingredient and it's an ingredient that you can eat. So um, I assume from that that um, it's totally safe, yeah. cheap. You're not funding um, the cosmetics industry, which we know has its ills. Um, I highly recommend it. No, nothing has ever worked as well for me. Do you like yeah, put I, it on and then you leave it on or you like wash it off? Give it, you have to get like 30 seconds. Honestly, you just, you have you wash to wash it off after 30 seconds. No, no, no. Oh. Just to rub. Like if you oh, okay. put it on and then you sit down in a chair right away. Yeah. That's going to be a problem. Okay. But if you just wet, walk around, brush your teeth, 30 seconds, it's going to absorb in enough mm. that you're not going to feel greasy at all. Um, in the summer, it's funny because above a certain temperature, it turns to a liquid. So in the summer, your bottle is going to be a liquid. In the winter, yeah. it's, it's a solid. So you just have to warm it up a little bit between your hands. Um, but try it. I'm really curious what you think. Like, oh. I have the elbows of a baby right now. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, nothing works as well. And it's like $6 for a big bottle that'll last you a year. Mm. And you're not, there's no other chemicals. There's one ingredient. I don't I always use it. I use it sometimes, but I do use it on my face when I use it. And I haven't noticed any kind of breakout. I just noticed like it, it does feel like a little bit oily, but if I'm biking and I'm going out in the winter, I like that like extra layer of protection. But uh, yes, for sure. I'll put it on my legs. And then why am I always like on the floor, on my knees and walking around? Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm just maybe it's because of the cats or the bunnies or something. I have no idea. Somehow I always end up, um, yes, sitting on the floor and whatnot. So uh, yeah, you see like little oil prints on the hardware. Because I haven't thoroughly rubbed it in, which I don't think is fully possible. Um, so maybe, maybe have a cloth afterwards and wipe down the excess. I don't know. I thought you were gonna say you're because of the cats you're like kneeling. You've got oil that like you pick up all the you can pick up all the dirt and the lint and the cats. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just I just have to mop a little bit more. That's all. Yeah, yeah. 
I would say one of my concerns um, is having a pet and not being confident that a vegan diet works for a pet, for a cat or a dog. But Sweda, you have some experience with that, right? Like, what do you think about that? Because it's tough for a vegan, you know, you, you feel so strongly about this and you probably love cats and dogs and birds and other animals. And yet there's this conundrum when you have to figure out what to feed them. Yeah, I I know when I first went on this journey, I it felt so easy. Like this was like, I don't know, a decade, a decade and a half ago. It felt so easy. And I knew friends that had vegan cats and everything just seemed like nice and smooth. And now I actually want to, um, like those are all temporary cats. And now I want to actually like adopt a cat and have a cat that's vegan. And I keep coming across like them having allergies. Like there's one cat that um, that I had temporarily and uh, he like he liked the vegan food. There was no problem getting him to eat it. But I just started noticing, hey, look, his the fur around his ears is a little thin. And he was like he was his skin was so irritated that he was like scratching at it. And we tried switching it up and I spoke to different companies about their food and I ended up making like veggie pet and buying everything organic because that's a lot of times the issue that, that there's like GMO stuff um, and yeast is a common allergen apparently is what I've heard. Uh, but then some things say it's not, I don't know. So I'm like no yeast. And then it becomes hard to feed them uh, because they don't want it. And uh, still it just, it would not go away. So I'm like, fine. I guess we'll uh, just get some food. So we ended up getting some donated food because I, I just can't buy meat and feeding him separately while the other cat's like, I want that too. <laughs> so uh, I have a cat right now who's vegan and she loves vegan food. She likes all the vegan food. She likes all the evolution. She likes Bonobo. She likes Ami. She just likes absolutely everything. Um, but I think it's, it's, it's a little bit of a challenge because either I find that they have an allergy or... They don't like yeast. And I feel like if they don't like yeast, it's going to be hard to keep them vegan in the long run. This is just my feeling. Now, if you have a cat already and you're like, okay, I want to try feed them vegan and you're having difficulty, there is this magical, magical product. And that is Evolution's um, chicken yeast. So it's it's like nutritional yeast, but it, um, it smells disgusting. It smells like some combination of, I don't know, ugh, throw up and friskies. But cats love it. <laughs> Look at Barbie's face. Cats love it. It's not for us. Okay. So it's going to smell nasty to us, but they love it. And so you can buy it from Vicado and uh, you buy like, I think um, a pound of it is like 18 bucks or something like that, but it lasts, it lasts forever. And so what I do is I dump um, some in a jar of Ami and I roll it around. I like quote unquote marinate it. And then after that, the cats that don't like Ami too much will be willing to eat it. But most cats will eat Ami just right out of the gate. Um, evolution is a little bit of a harder sell, I find, um, but I like the ingredients better in evolution. Eh, I have lots of comments on this, lots and lots of comments on this. But uh, yeah, if you have a cat and you're trying to get them vegan, you know, play around with the different foods. Vicado um, has uh, quite a few different types. And again, they sell that um, that yeast by evolution. And there's two different types. There's the one that's like the cheese yeast, which I think is just nutritional yeast. And then there's like the chicken yeast. And that's the, that's the one, that's the magical one that um, all cats love. I think the important thing with, um, with vegan cats is just like, it's good to, it's good to tell your vet and just make sure that like you're getting your cats uh, blood and urine tested regularly. Cause the two main issues with uh, the reason why it is like kind of controversial or whatever 
is some cats um, on a vegan, like I forget what it is, but basically the things about like a vegan diet for a cat, the things that they are at risk for are related to um, kidney disease, I think is one of the things. Um, and I forget what the other thing is, but one of our cats, um, it didn't work out for uh, sort of what Sweda was alluding to. We had our, our cats both had different medical issues that required them to have very like specific foods. Um, but before that we were trying to, um, not feed them a fully vegan diet, but just kind of, I called it like my meatless Mondays approach. Um, but just kind of give them like, I think it was like a quarter of their food, uh, vegan food. And so when we did that, we were taking them every six months, we were getting their blood and urine tested. Um, so I just think it like, yeah, it's good to, um, just if you're going to make that, like, I don't, I don't think it's impossible because I think when people say like, oh, like, but cats need taurine or cats need this. It's what we were just talking about. Humans need B12 and humans need vitamin D. So you can supplement and you can get food that's fortified. But I do think it's good to like do it in con like in conjunction with your vet, even though your vet might think you're, um, I don't know, like ridiculous or like you're not concerned about, like you're not taking their advice or something like that, which is not true for all vets. Of course, we know there are, like I, when I told my vet about it, she was not upset about it. Again, we were only doing like a quarter vegan or half a vegan food at the time. Um, but yeah, it is, it is important to sort of check, uh, keep up to date with their blood work because it can be issues that can sort of like we were talking about again, also like with B12, it can be things that issues that you won't see until it's kind of like too late or too far down the road. I just, I want to point out that thing about the urine though, because on episode 493 of Edge Out, Sarah, Dr. Sarah Dodd talked about how um, that urine thing in theory, that's true. And that's where a lot of that comes from. Like in theory, if we feed cats this, uh, this should happen, but then in practice that hasn't been found, but listen to that episode 493. Don't take my word for it. Let's not play broken telephone. And then also, if you're considering this, uh, like I said, vicado.ca, so that's V-E-C-A-D-O.ca. That's your pet food source. If you're in Canada and, um, Dr. Richard Pitcairn, uh, he has a book called Dr. Pitcairn's complete guide to natural health for dogs and cats. And he, um, you know, talks about vegan dogs and cats, and he has recipes in there that you can make at home using supplements that you would buy on Vicado. And uh, he does kind of, you know, a similar approach to what Barbie does. He has some recipes for cats that are completely vegan. And then he has some that, you know, may, might include an egg, which is still, you know, better than uh, the, the whole animal and um, having like a fully meat uh, diet for cats. Yeah. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. Part of the reason why I don't have a cat right now is because I'm kind of struggling with that. So I'm stepmother to my boyfriend's uh, cat, but um, I would definitely like to get another one. My my little girl's been going a while now. I think it's time. By little girl, I mean my cat. I don't want any confusion there. Yes. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, I feel like it's a hard find. I'm so, I feel so happy with the, with this cat that I have because she, like, she loves vegan food. The way that she eats primarily is like, I throw pieces of evolution and then she goes running after them and she eats them. So we made it like, <laughs> we made it like a little fun little exercise. So I'm like, that's, that's my goal that the cat needs to literally run after vegan food. And then I'm like, yes, I'm comfortable keeping this cat in the long run and fingers crossed she'll be vegan. I'm hoping that in a few years that we'll have vegan meat for cats and like real meat. So I'm talking about like the lab. I just read that Hills has actually just made a partnership with, um, I forget, but one of the um, like clean meat companies. And so it's like literally could be like a real thing in like five to 10 years where you could buy pet cat and dog food that would be um, like 
cultured or lab grown uh, meat. So that would be a very great solution. Yeah, I, I, I know there's a company called Because Animals that's working on uh, cultured meat for um, pets. And I think they're Canadian or at least half Canadian. It's so funny because I was just reading about them yesterday. They have these harmless hunt, like they're cookies for cats with meat. It's not just meat. It's a mouse wheat, which makes so much more sense. I mean, I don't want any animal to be killed, but I never understood why we're feeding like chickens and fish to cats. Like, don't they eat like mice and insects? But anyway, so this is cultured mouse meat, um, which is, you know, vegan. And uh, it's pumpkin, nutritional yeast and some other stuff. And I think they're, I'm assuming that they're combining it with other stuff just to bring that price down. And you can actually pre-order it right now because they debuted it at a, at a trade show and they're hoping to like actually release this product. So it's a treat rather than a meal. I don't think we're quite, quite at the, that stage yet. You know, like Barbie mentioned, maybe a few years. Um, but you can go to their website becauseanimals.com and uh, you can pre-order these harmless hunt mouse cookies for cats, which is super exciting. We'll put links in the show notes. We hope we answered any questions that you might have about being vegan or going vegan. And if you have any additional questions, you can always reach us at tvp at veg.ca. That's uh, the vegetarian podcast. So TVP, that was our original name, tvp at veg.ca. And it also stands for textured vegetable protein. Did you ever know that? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's what it is now. Textured vegetable protein. Um, You've been listening to Veg Out, brought to you by the Toronto Vegetarian Association. You can listen to past episodes on Spotify and Google Podcasts and at veg.ca slash veg out. Thanks to Matt Judge for our theme song. And until next time, veg out. Did I just say selenium milk?